everyone. Great to see you today. Welcome to Fox River. We want to welcome all those who are joining us at our online campus and then also at our Muskego and our Waterford campuses as well. Anybody see that Milwaukee Bucks game? Not talking today's, I'm talking Mondays. Anybody see that? Do you know what happened? I mean, they were in the zone. You ever see something like that? It's like, whoa, all that hard work, all that devotion, all that focus paid off. Here's what happened. They set a playoff franchise record of 78 points. Some of you are like, that's the NBA, right? 78 points is not a lot of points. 78 points in the first half of the game. That is unstoppable right there, okay? I'd hate to be on the other end of that, right? But man, isn't it fun when you're in a place that you know that it, this, no one's stopping this. I mean, this is just gonna end well, right, for us all. Do you realize that Jesus says that the church is unstoppable? It is. And the way he put it was this. He said, I am building my church and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. Isn't that good news for each and every one of us? We've learned, right, that, you know what, God wants us to be a part of that church, that unstoppable church. In week one, we learned that we, the church, are to be a witness and that the Holy Spirit's with us and to continue to share it. In week two, we've learned that Jesus invites every single one of us to be a part of that unstoppable church. And here's what we're going to talk about today. That a church that is unstoppable is actually a church that is a focused church. Focus is very difficult, isn't it? We got lots of distractions today. We've got lots of information coming at us, and we have people who are paid and paid well and do very well at their jobs to distract us, actually, all throughout the day. You carry one of those distractions in your pocket, don't you? And it buzzes or it beeps, and it's like, wow, you go from one important conversation to another one real, real fast right there. And it takes focus to be a part of something that's unstoppable and to make sure that it stays unstoppable as well. The church has never been perfect. But it has been its healthiest and is its healthiest when it focuses on the right thing. And that right thing happens to be Jesus. And so as we look at the early church, it'd be great to learn everything we could possibly about it, but we weren't there. But thankfully, we have some things that are recorded for us. But we do know some of those things. And one of them is there were great things that were taking place back then. And it was the startup church. And one of those great things is that many people were coming to know Jesus. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse number 47, let me just read this to you, and we'll turn there in a minute. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine that? Every single day, someone was coming to Christ. In fact, on the first day, 3,000 all at once became Christ followers. That would be something to be a part of, wouldn't it? Like I said, we can't come up with every detail even in the messages that we do on the church and on the book of Acts. So what we've been encouraging you to do, and let me encourage you again, is that you take time and read through the book of Acts while we're in this series. Maybe take a chapter a day, and what I really want you to look for is how God was on the move. And the great things that were taking place, every time you read about their numbers being added to, about things like multiplication that was taking place, all the good things, God's favor on them, and take note of each and every one of those. As I said, it would be helpful, though, if we could look back, and we will look back. 
thanks to a guy by the name of Luke. Luke wrote the book that carries his name about Jesus, the book of Luke. And then he wrote a prequel, and it's called the book of Acts. It's the things that take place after Jesus left this earth. And so let me ask you if you would, grab a Bible right now, if you have one with you, whether it be a physical one, a paper one, or if you've got a device, and turn to the book of Acts. It's a New Testament book right after the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2, we're going to hear a little bit, like I said, about the start-up church. Begin in verse number 42. So drop down close to the end of the chapter. It says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Is there a word that pops out to you immediately? Like two words in there? Did you catch it? It says what? They devoted. Now when you hear that word devoted, I know for me it kind of feels like kind of a mushy word a little bit, right? It's like that, that word that you might find on one of those candy hearts during Valentine's Day, right beside be mine, right? It's like, okay, that's devoted, okay? Kind of this nice lovey-dovey type of thing. But devoted is a telling word. It's a revealing word is what it is in this case. It's telling us that they were devoted. And if you take a definition of devotion, it simply means this. To give your time and effort completely to something you believe in. Wow. To give your time and effort completely to something you believe in. Now with that definition, if someone were observing your actions this past week, your time and your effort, maybe what you spend money on, what would they say that you're devoted to? For some and rightfully so, it's going to be something called work. To others, it's going to be school, possibly. Maybe family. Maybe friends, even. All great things, right? Maybe it's a sports team. Maybe it's a favorite TV show. Anybody doubt what you're devoted to? Know what you need to do? Scroll through Facebook, and you'll see an ad pop up, and it'll tell you exactly what you're devoted to, won't it? And if that doesn't work, ask Alexa, and I'm sure she'll be glad to share it with you. Devotion, what we spend a good amount of time on, is what that's talking about. So imagine if we could figure out what would be some great things to be devoted to in order so the church can be unstoppable. And are they going to be much different than they were for the startup church, do you suppose? Probably not a lot different, so it'd be good, right, to look at those. Not an exhaustive list by any means. In fact, it's going to simply give us four things that they were devoted to and that Fox River needs to be devoted to as well and that every church today needs to be devoted to so that Jesus can continue to build his church so that we can continue to see people come to know Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. Isn't it? So what are these things that they were devoted to? We read it. We did, right? 
But it's so easy to just read right past each and every one of these. So let's look at them. First it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, some of you are saying, what in the world is the apostles' teaching? That sounds old and boring like the stuff that I learned in church that I didn't know because it went right over my head, right? That's not what it is. If you were to simplify it, who are the apostles? The apostles were those 12 people that hung out with Jesus early on for three years. They were his best friends, his most devoted followers. That's who the apostles were. And what Jesus did is he gave them everything he wanted them to share with us. And they did that. And it was recorded in the Bible, in specific, the New Testament. That's where you will find the apostles' teaching. So it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching is what they did. You see, before Jesus left this earth, he gave clear and straightforward instructions. He simply said this, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and help people become followers of mine is what what he's saying there. He's saying, go about your day as you go about your day, whether you're at work, whether you're at home, whether you're in the church, outside the church, I want you to make disciples. That's what I want you, every Christ follower. I want you to bring more Christ followers to gather as a church to help our family members, our friends, and even strangers follow him. And then he says, and here's a step after that. After someone has decided to follow me, I want them to get baptized. If you're here last week, you heard Pastor Bill talk about this and the important step of baptism because that's when we go public with our faith. It's Jesus' desire for every one of us to be baptized. And note this, Pastor Bill again brought this out last week, after we've trusted Christ. That's what he wants for every single one of us. After we've trusted Christ as our Savior to be baptized. Have you? Have you been baptized after becoming a believer? If not, find out how you can do that. and Allow us to do that for you. Go public with your faith. Go to the activation page. You can use that QR code that you'll see in the seats in front of you to get more information on how to become baptized as a believer. It's an important step. So he says, go and make disciples, baptize them, and then, it's kind of a catch-all here, okay, Teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Now, teaching is not just something that happens on the weekend. It happens in small groups. It happens in our student ministry. It happens in our kids' ministry. It happens in your home, doesn't it, at times? It may happen in a conversation that you have at work. It may happen as a conversation that you have sitting in a restaurant. It happens all over the place. Because whenever we talk about Jesus, we have that opportunity. Specifically, he's talking about the church here, though. And as we teach what the apostles gave us, then we're showing that devotion that we have to him. And it's hugely important. You see, as a church, our message is Jesus. And we can never forget that. Because an unstoppable church is one that teaches people to know Jesus. Let's look at an example. Peter taught many messages in Acts, and we'll see them. And guess who they're all about? A guy by the name of Jesus. (laughs) Every single time. And he summarizes them every once in a while. We see one of those summaries in Acts chapter 4, just a couple of chapters over, and verse number 12. And the way he summarizes is this. He says, salvation is found 
in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Anybody know who he's talking about there? This would be when the obvious answer is the correct answer. Okay, give you a hint there. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's saying Jesus is salvation. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be, by which we can be, by which we are saved. Now, may else think that is a message we're telling to everyone. And be like, you know what? That message needs to go to every single person in the world. Whether they accept it or not, it at least needs to get to them. And that's why the church became unstoppable is because they refused to let that message die. They didn't let it die with Jesus. They didn't let it die with them. They said, we need to carry this message on because it is of huge importance. Until every single human being in this world hears it, we need to continue to teach it. Our message is Jesus. We must never lose it. Even those who do not believe, guess what? They expect those who do believe to passionately talk about the one they believe in. Do you know why? Because no one likes a hypocrite. And if you say that Jesus is the answer to this life and eternal life, those words should come out of your mouth at some point, right? Like I said, it's an expectation even among those who don't believe in Jesus that we talk about it passionately. It's like, you know what? We need to share. We need to be in a place where we believe and we share the teachings of Jesus Christ that were given to us through the apostles because an unstoppable church is devoted to the apostles' teaching because that teaching is about Jesus and our message is Jesus. An unstoppable church has a second devotion. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship. That sounds like the fun one, doesn't it, right there? It's like, yes, sounds like a party. It's like, wow, this is great. Fellowship's necessary for encouraging unity. You know what? We all need people in our lives who are pulling us in the right direction because there's this tug of war that's going on for our hearts on a regular basis. There are. And so the Bible talks about, it says, we need to guard our hearts diligently. And part of guarding our hearts is to make sure that we have people in our lives that are pointing us towards Jesus because there are going to be circumstances and there are going to be other people who are pulling us away from Jesus. And so we need those strengthened relationships. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 13 puts it this way. It says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You see, fellowship produces friendships. Faith-building friendships is what we call them here at Fox River. So let me ask you, can you name seven different people that you're pointing towards Jesus. And then can you name seven different people in your life that are pointing you towards Jesus? Not saying, just saying that you hang out with, but that's an important part of it, right? But that you're seeing, why? Because we need people on both sides of us. You ever notice that? We need people who are influencing us. They're pouring into us. They're pointing us in the right direction. And then we need people that God's using to pour into, to help them to be going in the right direction as well. The primary way we do this, and you hear us talk about it, you hear us talk about several of the opportunities that are coming up. 
And I'm going to encourage you to be a part of one of those opportunities. But the way we do that here at Fox River, as well as many churches do, is we break into groups that are small enough that you can get to know each other. And that you can have a discussion with a person. You can share questions with them that you have. You can share prayer requests with them as well. And so being in a part of a group helps you to form some of these faith-building friendships that are necessary for our lives. I want you to listen to how this happened for Jessica. She shared with us that she just recently joined a group. I mean, and is where many of us are, where it's like, I don't know if I can do that or if I have time for that. Listen as she shares. Joining a group was the first place I stepped out in my faith after accepting Jesus into my heart. Although I knew that was the next step for me, I could think of every reason why I was too busy or why I should wait. Work, husband, a one-year-old with another one on the way. I think that'd be enough to say I don't have time right there, right? And all the other housework I felt I was drowning in. I began thinking, I'll join a group if, fill in the blank with the ideal circumstances. But God had a different plan. I joined a group for women new to faith. It was the opposite of all my ideal circumstances but it has been the most pivotal decision I have made in my spiritual journey. In that small group of women with three leaders who love Jesus with all their heart, I realized that God's plan for me were way bigger than anything I could ever dream. I cried, laughed, and became very close to each woman in that group. After spending most of my life thinking I had to do more, I finally felt how much God loved me. Our group of women supported each other through all of life's circumstances, suffering, joy, death, and life in Christ. We even got baptized at the same time. That first step into the group has shown me Christ's love through the community he builds for you. It was a starting point for me to learn how to pray, how to serve, how to be bold, how to trust, and how to believe. The list goes on. But after that first step into group, I've had a much easier time saying yes to God and what he asks of me because of all the fruitful relationships and experiences he provided in that first step. Can we thank Jessica for just sharing what God's doing in her life? We need other people in our lives, don't we? More than sometimes we want to admit to. And one of the reasons that the early church was unstoppable is because they understood that. And they devoted themselves to it. They made it happen even though it was hard. Even though sometimes they didn't want to do it. Even though sometimes people drove them nuts. We've got summer groups that are starting up. Groups for men. We've got groups for women. We've got student groups. We've got couples groups. We have groups that will take and you can take some time and go further into the sermons that, that were being taught as well. Use that QR code. Find the group for you. Sign up for it. Take a stab at it. See how God works in your life as a result of it. Because an unstoppable church is devoted to fellowship. A third thing they're devoted to. This one sounds a little odd. Because we don't use this terminology today. It says they devoted themselves to breaking bread. And may think, man, couldn't they got a slicer? You, you can buy that stuff right at the store, right? Already, already broken, already. Breaking of bread signified the beginning of a meal. And so when it says they broke bread together, even in parts it says they broke bread together in each other's homes, it was that signifying 
of beginning of a meal, a shared meal with family and friends. You know, there's a saying, a family that eats together stays together. Do you know why? Because it's not just about consuming food. It's not. But oftentimes that's what it becomes. What begins as sharing food, it results in sharing life together. You ever notice how that happens? The conversations that come up when you invite someone into your home to your table? Or maybe it's not even into your home. Maybe it's at a restaurant. And you say, hey, there's a place for you. Would you come and sit with us? And then nobody sits there in total silence. Yeah, you might stuff your mouth just so you don't have to talk for a little while. But we begin to share what's going on in our lives. We begin to share the important things, the important stuff of life together as well. That's what the early church did. You know what? COVID's put a damper on this for many of us for well over a year, hasn't it? So let me ask you. Who have you shared a meal with recently? If we've let it go, and it may not have just been because of COVID, it may have stopped long before that for you. We need to redevote ourselves to opening up our homes and our hearts to other people. It's a lost art, even within our families. And we've suffered relationally as a result of it. Have you noticed that? Rather than take a break, just say, time out, we're going to stop, and everyone's going to sit down at a table And we're going to have food at that table. And we're going to pass that food around. And we're going to sit here until everybody's done. And we're going to talk. Does that sound like anybody else's house right now? It's like, wow, where did that go? Where did it go? Does it sound more like this? We got an activity to be to in 10 minutes, man. Out the door, grab a bag, let's go. Right? A few plastic bags with some snacks in it as well. That might tide you over for a little while until you can get home. And then maybe we'll eat, right? And that's just our families. Now imagine this. Okay, pastor, you're saying I got to clean my house, turn on a stove, peel some potatoes, maybe fire up a grill, and invite people in? Are you nuts? That, out, that went away a long time ago. That's something my grandparents maybe did at one time. But me? No way. And know what? We're hurting because of it. We are. Do you know why? Because relationships are transformational. You see, we've been lulled into thinking information is transformational. It is to some degree. But when you take information and you take relationship, you have transformation that takes place. And we need those types of relationships. There's an interesting study that tells us this. You are most shaped by the five people you spend the most time with. Now think about that. So what does that mean? You better choose wisely, right? But it also means this. If there's someone in your life, flawed as they are, and you're looking at and saying, I'd really like to get to know them a little bit better because I think there's some things I could learn from them, you know what you need to do? Invite them into your home. Invite them to a restaurant. And say, there's a seat at the table for you and I'd love to have you join me. Because you have something to offer me. 
you think many people are going to turn you down? Probably not. They might say, I don't have time at first. They might. But relationships are transformational. Now think about the flip side of that. Do you know someone who needs to know Jesus? Would you consider inviting them into your home so that you can find out more about them and then they can learn more about Jesus through you? Think about how that could change somebody's life, how that could change their eternity if you allowed that to happen. We need to be devoted to relationships, to breaking of bread, to fellowship, to teaching. An unstoppable church is devoted to breaking of bread. The fourth devotion, as, break, as much as breaking of bread might have been confusing, this one there will be no confusion. In fact, you'll be, I knew that one had to be on the list somewhere, right? It says they devoted themselves to prayer. How many say that? That's not a surprise right there, okay? That's not a surprise. I'm sure that's a major reason, reason that the early church was unstoppable. And what we see back then is much like today, that there were two different types, I would say, of prayer here. One was intentional times of prayer. We know that because of this. In Acts 3, verse number 1, it says this, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. And then know what it says? Catch this. At three in the afternoon. What's that tell you? They had a very specific time that they knew we're going to carve out this time and this is a time that we are going to pray. That's what we're going to do. Again, you talk about something that's been lost a little bit maybe or that's a little bit harder. Do you have an intentional time of prayer? For some, it's as soon as you wake up, as soon as those eyes open in the morning before your feet hit the floor, because you know once those feet hit the floor, you're going to be distracted. And that's your time of prayer. Or maybe it needs to be your time of prayer. For some, it's after the whole day is over and you have a little bit of time to relax. And if you can still keep your eyes open or keep from falling asleep, maybe you pray. For some, they still have that habit tied to and a good habit, actually, tied to a meal. And before they have that meal, they bow their heads and they pray. Those are intentional times of prayer. I have a good friend that just last week, he said, you know what? I'm praying every day, every day at the same time, 714. That was a habit that we started over a year and a half ago. Several of us did. To pray for our country as we were going through COVID. And he said, you know what? I changed my prayers from COVID to some other stuff. Is that okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But he sets an alarm every day at 714 to make sure that he prays. Not all of it's that specific. It's not. Sometimes there's another type of prayer. It's a need-inspired prayer. We all know what those are like. When it is so obvious that the only thing we can do right now is pray. That's a need-inspired prayer. Well, that was happening for the early church. You see, there was something big that happened. Peter was told that if he didn't stop talking about this Jesus guy and how he died and rose from the grave to save us, that they were going to put him in jail. Well, he went back and he told the rest of the church. And it did happen. He got put in jail. But... He told the church, and they didn't just say, oh, I guess we better shut our mouths. We better not talk about Jesus, I guess, anymore, because we might get in big trouble. Instead, they went to God, 
And we even see their prayer recorded in Acts 2, the same passage, or Acts 4, just a couple chapters over. It says, why do the nations rage? The people's plot in vain. Before they asked that question, they said this. When they heard this about being put in jail, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. You know what they were doing? They're reminding themselves who is in control. Who is in control? That's what they were doing. When they faced a difficulty in life, they were reminded our God is sovereign. Our God has the answer. Our God loves us. Our God will hear from us. Prayer has to be a part of who we are as a church because prayer expresses our dependence upon God. And we need to consistently share with him that we need him. A few months ago, many of us made a commitment to pray for someone and with someone every day. Maybe you need to renew that commitment today. If you've let it slip, you let it go, it's time to come back to it. Maybe you never made that commitment. Today's the day to make that commitment because an unstoppable church is a church that is devoted to prayer. What if you might say, I wouldn't even know what to pray about. People give you hints every day, don't they? If you just listen in your conversations to the person who talks about their job that they hate right now or that maybe they lost. You hear that person who shares, I have an appointment with a doctor. You hear that person who says, you know what? Me and my child, we don't get along and I'm worried about losing them. What if, rather than say, I'll pray for you, you said, can I pray for you? Right here and right now. Think about what that would change, church, if we did those things. If we said, I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to make sure our message, because we are the church, it's our message that is Jesus. It's not just mine. It's not just yours. It's ours. If we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer, what if every one of us did this? And what if every one of us did it together? The church will remain unstoppable. It will. And so what is God calling you to be more devoted to. Maybe it's all four. I'd encourage you, pick one and make movement this week in that area of your life where others will notice that you're devoted to it because you're spending your time on it, because you're spending your energy on it, because it's real to you. And what we're going to pray, and if you're a Christ follower and you need to have a conversation with God, I'm going to encourage you to have that and that you share with him what you're going to be more devoted to. Maybe you're here, much like Penn Jillette, saying, I've never crossed that line of faith yet. Your first step is to be devoted to Jesus, to receive his gift of salvation. And I want to encourage you during this time of prayer that you let him know that, that you're ready to trust Jesus as your Savior that you're believing 
what Peter said, that salvation is through him and him alone. Would you pray with me? Lord God, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to trust you enough, Lord, that we would devote ourselves to you. Help us have the strength to do that. Help us depend upon you in all of it, Lord God. If you're here today, your head's bowed, your eyes are closed, you'd say, you know what, God's working on me. There is an area that I need to be more devoted to him in. I know exactly what it is. And I'm asking God to help me in that area. Would you syndicate that by raising your hand saying, that's me, Christ follower? You'd say, that's me. Okay, thank you. If you're here today and you're ready to receive Jesus, let me ask you, would you pray to him right now something maybe like this? Lord God, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he's the way to salvation. He died on the cross. He was buried, but he rose again from the dead to show that he has power over sin. I want to receive the forgiveness of my sin that Jesus purchased for me. And I'm doing that right here and right now today. If that's you, would you just let me know that? Again, just by a hand raise here at each of our campuses as well. Okay. Lord God, we thank you for being our God. We thank you for letting us be a part of your church part of your family. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.